Welcome to the Voice of the Force, Temple Archives, Comics, The High Republic Adventures, Volume 1. My name is Noma, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Ed. Hello, hello. How's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. That's good. Yeah, we're going to be all alert and awake today. Well, <laughs> that, that, that's, <laughs> that's the hope. We'll see yeah. if it's a reality. <laughs> exactly. And my other co-host, Dan. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. How about you? Pretty good. I'm excited to go over the final volume before we get into Out of the Shadows. This is going to be good for the High Republic stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, uh, once we do this, we're basically going to be all caught up on all the, you know, the timeline and events that occurred up to Rising Storm. So that'll be a lot of fun. But before we jump into this episode, Ed, do you mind telling the listeners what this podcast is about? Absolutely, man. So on uh, Temple Archives, we go over Star Wars canon. That's anything from movies, books, comics. Uh, we summarize the story for you. We figure out where it is in the timeline and have a bit of a discussion as how it relates to any other Legends material, any other canon material. And then from there, we try to get you involved as well. Um, and if there's something you like about the book you want to mention, or if there's something you're confused about, you want some clarification on, you can get into contact with us. There's tons of ways to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. And Dan's got a whole list of ways that you can get in contact with us or find more of our work. You can find us over at voiceoftheforce.com and you can email us at voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at voiceforcepod. If you retweet and repost our new episode tweets and posts, it helps with growing our listener base and is very much appreciated. You can also listen, rate, review, and follow and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. Remember, if you review us with five stars and a comment, that helps with people finding the podcast on that platform. And if you follow or subscribe for free, you'll find the latest episode downloaded to your device as soon as it releases. And always remember to listen to the outro to find out what we will be covering on the next episode of Temple Archives. Thank you, Dan. Now, without further ado, let's jump into this review. Uh, so, like we said at the beginning, this is Star Wars The High Republic Adventures, Volume 1. The writer for this volume is Daniel Jose Older. So, for this one, the cover artist, the penciler, and the inker are all done by the same person, which is really cool. And that is uh, Harvey Tolibau. Uh, as always, if I am butchering or mispronouncing your names, I apologize for that. The colorist is Rebecca Nalti, and the letterer is Jake M. Wood. And uh, yeah, I mean, one thing that's really kind of crazy about this is you've got cover artist, penciler, inker. So, I mean, he did everything for, for this entire volume. It's all the same artist, right? That's pretty insane, for especially for comics. I don't really see that that often. But the cover art we get is also pretty cool. So we've got Lula, who's, you know, one of the main characters in this book. And I, unfortunately, I can't remember the other two Padawan's names because they're not really important, but her quotes best friends are there with her on some sort of uh, court kind of like and farzala wasn't it i it could be i yeah. honestly don't remember because they don't really do that much <laughs> well, one yeah. speaks in symbols so. yeah exactly right court i think but yeah overall it's a it's a nice cover you know gets you introduced to a couple of characters that you're going to be seeing for a lot of the book although you know unfortunately they might not be too rememberable if my memory is anything to go off of but yeah pretty nice overall <laughs> Any other thoughts on this? Um, I like the uh, cover. It was it's really like it has a lot of detail in it for just showing like a couple of Padawans on the speeder. The main not the main person, but the person I think it's court on the front of the speeder 
they mm. look like Darth Crate, I think, is it? Or something like that? With the mask? Yeah. Yeah. It, has yeah. A very, it, looks... it looks very similar to that to me. Yeah, you're right. The Yuzen Vong bio armor kind of look to it. Wait. Do they ever say what species Court is in uh, the comics? I don't think so. Maybe they did. I can't remember. Okay. But uh, yeah, no, that's a good uh, good point. All right, I guess that <laughs> that about covers what we got for the cover. So let's head into the spoiler-free part of the discussion. In the wake of the great hyperspace disaster, the lives of Padawan Lula Talisola and Zine Morala will collide over TriMed 4. The Padawan and Force Sensitive must fight side by side to save a planet and uncover a sinister Nihil plot. All right, so that's, yeah, just very kind of vague overview of this comic and in terms of thoughts for spoiler free i guess i'll start off it this isn't a uh, terrible book although <laughs> so yeah that's a great way to start it off right but this comic kind of reminded me of what you guys were saying with uh, race to crash point tower where it was just like you have to remind yourself every once in a while this is for kids because there's a couple of plot contrivances and a couple of other things that they kind of they kind of happen and you're like Okay, that seems a little bit far-fetched, but it's a kid's book, right? So I can understand that. Other than that, though, honestly, it's it's a pretty good book overall. It's nice to finally see, you know, because it's something we've been harping about for ages, what certain members of the Jedi Council have been doing while all this stuff is going down. And at least, I think, you know, justifying that decently for now, you know, why they're kind of on the sidelines while everything's happening. But... Yeah, those are just kind of some, some basic thoughts I had about uh, High Republic Adventures. What about you guys? Um, yeah, I found it, like, it, it was weird. Because at points, I was like, oh, it's kids' books. And at other points, I was like, eh, young, young reader, maybe. not. And when I think young reader, I'm thinking more along the lines of somewhere between 10 and 14, mm. maybe. Whereas kids would be anything under 10. Because you still have, you still have some moments where it's like there's a lot of it's a story about figuring yourself out so far and what you want and where you are in a situation, and between all the characters, like across all the issues, they talk about you know what you want and what you're doing and what you thought and when your illusions are shattered, what do you do and where do you go and mm -hmm. what are you looking for and how dangerous just a little bit of acceptance is, and you know. It's it's good to crave stuff like that, and like, you know you want you want to you want to hear that oh pat on the back oh good job like mm -hmm. you're my best guy and all that like as a kid that's the you that's the biggest pump up you could get when you're just like yeah I did the good thing it's just like but did you really you're not thinking like that at that point especially when you've gone through some some developmental crazy stuff which every kid mm -hmm. does and it's it's a good. It's a good point, or it's a good comic for, for those young readers to start with, because as you start with this and you follow characters, like, I, I like this way better than um, the Vernestra book, because okay. I don't think, along with the visuals and everything, I think it's a better starting point than that, mm. because that way you can, if you really want to get them into it, they have the visuals, they have all this, you're getting into it, then you throw that book at them where you get some darker things of that you're with even more temptation but this is just like the first of like 
these if you're teaching them something like these are the things to be careful for these are the things where it's like you know there's sometimes where you got to think for yourself there's sometimes where you got to really 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 think about what you want and what you need and what's right and what's wrong and who you're surrounding yourself with like these are good teaching points to get out of these but um yeah overall not bad like we've been through these this kind of stuff already so i'm not i didn't I can see that for what it is, but I'm not taking anything away from it being just like, you know, when was the last time I really had to figure something out like that? Mm. But I know just from looking at these these um, characters in the book, of course, it's like, yeah, true. But at the same time, when they need him, and I'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Later. I, I can kind of see where you're going with that. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was, I agree with everything that you guys kind of already said. Um, there's not much else I can add to it. But I think the one thing I would like to add is just like the art style is interesting. The, the artist really likes to add, uh, the artist really likes to add detail in like the characters' faces and stuff like that. There's a lot of detail in everybody's designs, sometimes making them look a lot older than they are. I find like like Noma, you said before, like if you add a lot of like detailed lines for like a female face, it really ages them very quickly um yeah and there's some panels that were like that but yeah it it does happen too with with the guys faces as well because it's the same thing right it's just it's a lot more noticeable when you add uh lines to female faces that they seems to age them up a lot but yes even some of the guys in this one they go from looking like they were in their 20s to their 50s panels where like yoda looks definitely younger than he would in like episode one right and then some other panels are like whoa he's like super aged here yeah the first shot that you see of Yoda, he does look like Return of the Jedi style. It's really interesting. It's kind of surprising. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, so I guess overall fairly good, I think. You know, it's not, I don't think any of us outright hated it, definitely. No. But, you know, it's definitely, you know, still lumped in with that kind of stuff. Test of Courage, uh, Crash Point Tower. Well, kind of. It's definitely, like Ed was saying, it's definitely got a more mature tone than Crash Point Tower. But yeah, basically around there. Yeah, to the point where sometimes Crash Point Tower was almost unreadable. <laughs> it it didn't really have a lot of those points. So mm-hmm. there are some, yeah, and we'll get into it in the next part. But there are also some things that Crash Point Tower kind of presents for this story mm-hmm. that were kind of blown out of proportion, which was a little bit interesting for me. But yeah, and in order to talk about that, let's move on to the spoiler discussion. So. From here on out, as always, spoiler warning, if you are interested in reading High Republic Adventures, you know, we're going to talk about everything. We're going to just assume that you've read this. We will give a very brief synopsis about it, but if you'd like to experience it for yourself, stop here, go read it, and then come back. And uh, yeah, without any further ado, let's get into the full spoiler part. So a lot less happens in this comic than does in the other uh, High Republic comic, There Is No Fear. In this one, it basically, it starts kind of with, we get to see Yoda and the Padawan ship, and it's basically, it's kind of weird, because it seems like on this Padawan ship, it's just uh, Master Yoda and Buckets of Blood, which is a, who's a Chadrian uh, Jedi Master, and then like 20 or 50, like twenty or 30 Padawans, and they are basically going through space as on the planet of Trimant 4 that we briefly, you know, touch on in Race to Crash Point Tower the uh zine morales from and they've got that cult of the people who think the force is evil or like a fire and you have to avoid it we learned that the reason they first came across this planet is because it got 
kind of it looks it like looks like they get hit by the great disaster as we see a bunch of like debris come out of space but it turns out the Nihil are kind of using that as a cover so anyways they they send out a distress beacon and the Padawan ship is the closest and only Republic ship there so it comes out to try and help them and uh while that's happening it basically the Nihil land a cruiser on the planet and come out to recruit i guess it's yeah they talked to a grand master of this cult and they're taking him off planet because they want to find something that he knows about so that happens and we get this part where so zine and her best friend cricks basically see this happening and they try to basically convince the nihil to let a bunch of people on board because it looks like they're all you know going to be destroyed by the debris if they aren't but the padawans show up and manage to take out a surprising amount of nihil with a little bit of Yoda's help. And basically a bunch of stuff happens, but Crix and the Elder get on board. Yoda goes onto the ship as well to try and save them. But when he finds Crix, Crix rats him out. So Yoda has to get off the ship and they kind of watch the Nihil disappear. And during the fight, Zeem also showed off how strong she is with the Force. So they kind of decide, hey, if you want to come with us, you can, because you're obviously strong in the Force. And she goes with them because, you know, her original cult hates the force so they're not really going to accept her back anymore so yeah we get that basically and then while they're flying through space it turns out that yoda gave Crix a hollow communicator so he kind of ends up using that to talk with zine a little bit and they're just sending these kind of basically like hollow letters back and forth trying to say like you know what happened are we okay are we still friends what's going on and that kind of culminates with it turning out that there was also a tracker on that hollow communicator so we get basically two different discussions one where martian is talking with cricks because it turns out he's in charge of this operation i guess just trying to collect more dark side artifacts because it kind of seems like that's what they're going for but he basically is talking with cricks and he's saying like look your friends betray your friend betrayed you twice already she was hiding the fact that she was a force user now she's trying to rat you out on us by having this tracker in the hollow communicator are you willing to work with us because we've been trustworthy with you up to this point which is a total lie but you know Obviously, that's what he's going to say. Kids don't know, and, and he's a manipulative yeah, piece of shit. He's, so. he's, yeah, he's trying to manipulate him, but yeah. he basically says that. And then at the same time, the Jedi are saying, Zim, if you can send him a message, if we get close enough, then we can actually track him. We can try and get him back. This is your best chance. Do you trust us to be able to work together to do this? So they like kind of do. And uh, basically, Martian sets out a trap to... Uh, send a Nihil, or not a trap, but like a feint to send out a uh, Nihil f fleet to hit a raiding target, make it seem like that's where they were, where they actually go to, to Ord Mantell to go look for some stuff. And uh, while that's happening, the Jedi kind of scramble to intercept it, but also kind of sense that something's wrong. So they, it's a whole weird thing. Basically, they go to, to intercept the Nihil. They leave the Padawans behind. While the Padawans are left behind, Zeem gets the message from Crix to go to Ord Mantell. So she ends up going and the Padawans follow her there. They run into just a whole bunch of, of stuff while they're there, and Crix is also kind of on the fence of whether to believe Martian or not, and but ends up following his orders and trying to hunt down this uh, junk merchant that's getting away from them and all this other weird stuff. It basically just culminates with Crix accidentally shoots down Zeem when she comes to try and meet with him and then abandons her. And so she gets she like freaks out at him. And as the Padawans are kind of getting to her, Yoda and the other Jedi are landing on Ord Mantell and fighting these lizard beasts and the Nihil. So the Nihil decide to escape because their plan failed, but I don't really know what their plan was. It's kind of, the, the end is a little bit confusing, but 
Zeem and Krix have this little standoff where they're still trying to figure out, like, are we friends? Like, are you betraying me? What the hell's going on? But then Martian comes by to pick up Krix. They leave. Uh, the Padawans all try to stop the shuttle from leaving with the Force, you know, pulling in Ahsoka from Season 7. But the main Nihil cruiser picks them up and they're able to escape. So that's kind of where it ends. And then it turns out that Zeem is just going to continue going with the Padawans because they're all friends now. And, you know, they're going to try to train her a little bit in her Force powers as Martian on an abandoned planet kind of says, oh, yeah, Crix, you remind me of myself when I was young. Here, you're in charge of this Nihil outpost now. And that was also kind of strange. But, yeah, it kind of just ends with them both being loyal to each other's, you know, to the causes that they're with, basically. Yeah, I'm also, I'm skipping out on a lot of stuff because I do want to kind of make this uh, kind of shorter synopsis. But yeah, that kind of wraps up what happens in High Republic Adventures. And uh, yeah, what were you guys' thoughts on, you know, now that we can say it, the full synopsis of this uh, this comic? I think it was definitely obvious that it was meant for kids throughout the whole yeah. thing. Like, especially when it's just like, hey, yeah, you're going to be in charge of the outpost. And like, hey, you've made a lot of friends. Yeah. Like those yeah. kind of things, it's like for kids, it's like, oh, you have this responsibility now. Like it's it's kind of putting the onus on the kids rather than like the Jedi masters and the Padawan. You know what I mean? Like it's more on like, I mean, I guess it's on some of the Padawans, I guess, but mostly on like, what's her name? Zine and uh, Krix, right? Like they're, I would say some of the most, like apart from Lula, like they're probably the more main characters in this book in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, that part, I was talking with that about it earlier, but the, Martian handing the base over to Crix. That was a very strange moment for me. That was one of the moments where, uh, like I kind field. of said earlier, well, like I said earlier, I had to remind myself, like, yeah, this is a kids are, you know, teenagers book. Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, that seems weird. There, he hasn't displayed any any traits or, you know, uh, faculties of leadership at all in this entire book. And then Martian's yeah. like, look, it's yours now. And I'm like, Martian's unless got this weird is plans. an outpost that, un unless this is an outpost that's literally in the middle of nowhere and it has like no importance, and he just handed it off to try and that's kind of what I'm thinking. He was important. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's kind of what it seems like, like. You did a great job. You're promoted. <laughs> like you're a business now. It's like the yes, yeah, <laughs> sit, sit and pr it's the you know protect this this asteroid. It's a very important asteroid. We swear. Yeah. It's like hey, Pan just died. It. We have a fill. We need to fill a position here for you. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Could you imagine? No. <laughs> Oh my god. But honestly, I like the designs of all the characters. That was a lot of fun. Seeing the Padawans on the ship was kind of cool, and the interactions between all the kid characters as well. Um, yeah, the art was good. Yeah. The ridiculousness of, like, Tormin Buck, I think is his name. Buckets yeah. of Blood. I thought he was kind of, like, yeah, an interesting yeah. character. Oh, I mean, like, his naming scheme, it's just... It's like a Jedi named Buckets of Blood. Like, you don't expect it, oh, no. and, like, for the it, weirdest it, reason. He's just... He's a quirky character, and I love it. I, yeah, the there there's a moment in the book where he explains... Yeah. why he calls himself buckets of blood i keep the blood in the body it's, yeah it's basically like yeah buckets of blood i have buckets of blood to keep in in jedi because i'm so good of a healer and the kids all look at him like what the fuck? are you fucking serious yeah. and i was like yeah no i'm with you guys this yeah. is that's that's, that's the reaction that everybody should have when he, when yeah. he says that yeah <laughs> like no that makes no sense so i'm a little bit disappointed with him now but yeah. but seeing yoda again was good we kind of got to see what he's up to during the hyperspace disaster which is nice and then mm. kind of going into, I guess, Rising Storm a little bit, like precursor to that um, near the end. But yeah. I mean, that's something where I, I remember when we were talking about the High Republic, you know, comics volume, volume one. That was something we were that I at least mentioned where it was like, OK, 
unless he's out there instructing like 20 plus Padawans, I don't understand why. <laughs> and it turns he's out not taking part. Yeah. yeah. And so in this one, it turns out that's what he's doing. It's it's this group of 20 to 30 Padawans. So it's like, okay, in that case, it makes a little bit more sense what you're doing. I still kind of feel like, especially now that we know he's not the only master there, maybe you should be doing something else. Yeah. But at least there is an explanation. Yeah. Right? No, I think honestly, like, so I was I was listening to the High Republic panel they had at Comic Con this past weekend, and um, there was a point in which one of the authors said like the Jedi and like they're referencing Stellan Geos in the Rising Storm basically, and they're like some Jedi masters, you know, they've been more with the more with the um, uh, honing their connection to the Force rather than being on the front lines, and Stellan definitely mm-hmm. falls into that category, which. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because, like, seeing him on the front lines, which he's not used to, especially since it's been peace for, like, 200 years or whatever like that. Like, it's been peace yeah. for quite a long time. The Jedi are focusing more on the connection to the Force rather than the front lines. So, like, Yoda and all the Masters kind of are doing their own thing. And they're like, okay, well, let's, you know, go train these Padawans because that's what I want to do as mm. the Master or Grandmaster or whatever. And it's like, as soon as something like this hits, now he's like, okay, shit, now things are happening. So we'll see what happens next with them. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah, no, and that's a fair point. The, the Jedi, or the Padawan ship in general, was also a little bit confusing to me, because there's a certain point where there's a master, and he's talking, because they go back to Starlight, and they're talking with, like, Avar Chris and a bunch of other people, and one of the Jedi goes, yeah, she uh, seems very much like my Padawan, Lula, and I was like, who the hell are you? I have never seen you before. <laughs> yeah. The only master I've seen interacting with, with Lula is Yoda, and buckets of blood who who is this other person now yeah. so, master sai at that point i think i i, I don't so. i don't remember their name it yeah it, it was just like he said that and i was just like i don't know who you are you haven't been in this comic at all until this moment what is happening so that's is the padawan ship a bunch of padawans and all of their masters because then it, and, padawans yeah. don't have masters padawans are um, are being sorry not padawans i'm thinking younglings, <laughs> thinking of younglings which younglings. some of them yeah, are pretty yeah. some of them are pretty young is what I'm yeah. thinking. Like, was thinking with this. Like, they look like like really young kids. Remember, yeah. you get like you should. Anakin was the exception, which is everybody has this weird sense of Padawan in their head. And like, well, I mean, I'm thinking like Obi Wan Kenobi, right? No, Obi Wan. He was played by an older character, so it really it it took away from the youngness of it. And he was towards the end of his Padawan ship. Oh anyway. yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but even in the games and stuff like that. You go in the old republic, you make a quote unquote Padawan, you still look like you're 25. Yeah, um, it's true, it's true. Which, and it was different back then, but like you can get chosen as around 12 is when you're supposed to be chosen, I think. Between 10 and 12, you get chosen to become a Padawan. Yeah, because so we, we, we get a little sorry. bit out of that in Dooku, Jedi Lost, right? The Padawan and, trials. Uh, and, and the Kanan comics. Yes, you're right. You're right. Mm. You guys are right. Yeah. Because you get really young, and by the time you're like, like 19 is old. Right, because look at Vernastra. She's 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 a prodigy. Prodigy. And she's yes. seventeen. Mm. But yeah, sixteen, seventeen yeah. years old, she becomes a knight. Where it's mm-hmm. like you know, you give him a couple more years. It's like you know, coming of age at eighteen, you could still be a knight. Like you yeah. might you might need some more time to really develop. But that's where Keith Trennis uh, falls into. She's like just about seventeen, eighteen. Mm-hmm. And she's just become a knight, right? So it's yeah. Well, and kind of uh, going with that point, because whenever I think of Padawans and Swotor, I think of um, Ashara. 
Mm. And that's yeah. that's a point for her, right? Yeah. She's in her twenties, but she's also furious because she should already be a knight. And they mm. keep one of the off. yeah, one of the best, I would say, companions in that game. Yeah, yeah. Like she's got a really interesting story, but like that's the whole thing, right? By the time you're in your twenties, that's you should be at night already. Um, Nadia Grell has not even touched a lightsaber, but she's force sensitive. And so you pick her up, and she becomes your Padawan. Mm. There's so many different examples in that game, and it's great because you have the whole Sith side where you, you just pick anybody up. To me. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Bad, oh, you're dark side now. You, you fight things. It's mm. like, it's, but that's sorry. Keep going. Yeah, it, it's just I like seeing these, and I wish that I know it's frustrating as like gamers and stuff like that, where it's like you you don't want to be held back for like a significant portion of the game just being a learner. Mm-hmm. But games like Star Wars Galaxies did that really well, where it's just like, <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> if you if you wanted to become a Jedi, and because you could be anything in that mm-hmm. game, if you wanted to become a Jedi, there was so much that went into it that you yeah. did feel like a Padawan for a long time. Yeah. So like, even when you first got that lightsaber, you were just like, oh man, okay. Like you, you were something to talk about, but even after that, there was still so much to do. Mm-hmm. So I think, like Fallen Order got close to it in the sense where they didn't give you all the skills and everything like that, and you really had to learn and everything like that because you you didn't you had your connection was cut off, so you weren't like that with it, right? Yeah. But as, I, as opposed to like what you're saying, as opposed to like mm-hmm. the Jedi Outcast games where it's like they give you all the powers in the beginning. Yeah, they get more stronger later on, but you can you can select start, whatever you want. Yeah, you start on you start in uh, well, yeah, you basically as soon as you get force powers in that game, it's like look. I can do healing or sprint or jump or push or pull mm. or just like anything. I do Basically. I do like the fact that as you went through that they upgraded them significantly. So mm. like your yeah. jump at your jump when you first get it versus like end game yeah, is it's huge. huge. Yeah. It's huge. So like even even that kind of feeling alone, like that's a closer feeling than anything because mm. you know there are some points where you're just like I should totally be able to do this, but you 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 see one guy with like another saber and you're just like oh. This might be a tough fight. Whereas Endgame, you've got like five around you. You're just like, <laughs> please, right? Yeah. Like it, those kind of those kind of games and that kind of development. That is what I'd like to see more of because you get an appreciation for what these kids actually do. Whereas, like you know, they've been they have to do this for years. They have to learn things gradually. Mm-hmm. We sit there for three hours and it's like, okay, I'll put it on a night now. That's just. But kind of on that same vein as the Padawan training, because this is something else that we talked or we talked about, and I was saying I really hope. They kind of explain this a little bit more because we get a thing with Zeem in this book where once they realize that she's a force user and how powerful she is in the force, they have this big discussion. And that's kind of the part where I was talking about with, and Dan was right, uh, Lula's master is Sai. Mm. But we get that point where, you know, they're discussing, okay, should we train her? What should we do? And they say, okay, she's too old for training, but she's good with the force and she's bonding with these Padawans so she can stay with them. And I thought that's where it was going to end, right? Where it's like, hey, you can be with us. We just can't train you in the force. It's like, okay, I guess that makes sense. It's kind of annoying, but it's, you know, that kind of falls in line with what they're saying about the age. And then they start training her. But not as a Jedi, though, right? Like, she doesn't have a lightsaber, does she? (laughs) No. Yeah, so it's just like force training, I guess. In this this comic, they don't train her. Yeah. But in but they don't use a, they don't use lightsaber. They don't give her a lightsaber to use. It's just except they trained her well enough in the lightsaber forms that she's able to mimic what Lula's doing in Race to Crash Point Tower. Yeah, that's and true. They, they they do the exercise. 
Yeah, and they do the exercise in Race to Crash Point Tower where they're going through the stance forms. Mm-hmm. And she does that with them. Right. So it's like, uh... What's going That's on here? Quick, just a quick note. Yeah, yeah Master Sai is her master. And yeah. also, Buckets of Blood is a Chagr- Chagrian. Chagrian, okay. Oh, Chagrian, okay. Yeah. You want to know something interesting that I found out also with the panel on the weekend from Comic-Con? Martian Rowe. Pronounced Markion. Ooh. I like Martian better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Charles Soule was talking about, because he created the character, right, for Light of the Jedi. Yeah. And he was saying his name and he said Markion. And I'm like, okay, Martian sounds a little you, bit better to me. You have the whole, the whole opportunity of being like, oh, it's a Star Wars name. You can spell it however you want. You spell it Martian, then call it Markion, then put it with a freaking K. Well, I, I, can, I can see it the way it is spelled. Like, it, could be, it could be pronounced either way. It was obviously the, uh, at the discretion of the narrator. In the book, I was I was gonna say my question then is why didn't they tell the audio? Yeah, uh, the audible narrators. Maybe they just missed that memo, I guess. But nah, yeah, I, I think he's just trying to make a point now because he maybe didn't like how it sounded. And now he's trying to do this. It could be. I, I, I'm fine because... either way. You say how you, it's like Anaru and NL, right? Like you say it the way you want to say it. <laughs> Who's like, says what? Anaru? I do. <laughs> I call him Anaru. It's NL. I don't. Know. NL just sounds like. A word that you shouldn't be saying. It's like saying his, it's I like know, saying I know. his name is Rufy. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But to me, Anaru <laughs> sounds better than NL. Anyway, um, back to this. But uh, yeah. in this book, we get a lot of Martian Row, which is really cool. And I'm, I'm thinking like, the guy's talking, the the elder he's talking to, Tromac or whatever. Um, mm. He's like, it's an artifact that is like in two pieces. We split up a year, like a long time ago. And I'm like. Wasn't that what Martian was going for in the Rising Storm? Like he had one artifact piece, mm, yep. and he needed the other piece. So is that yeah, like cause... is this like leading into getting the um, the Sith artifact that he uses against uh, Loden? I'm, yeah, I'm assuming the that what that the pieces that he's going after right now are the controller because he has that rod. Remember that he has to use to actually yeah. guide the leveler and tell it what to do. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's this part is him finding the pieces of the controller, and then once he's got that, then we get the Rising Storm. Where yeah, he where he gets the, the actual leveler. leveler yeah yeah okay that makes sense because i was like yeah this assume this leads I mean, into assume, the like events leading up to that so yeah and i mean and that also it just makes sense to me because otherwise how are you going to control the leveler if you don't have the rod right exactly and like this yeah. takes place during like the initial part of you know the high republic whereas the rising storm is months later like a year it's, later yeah well that's something i was a bit curious about because it's after light of the jedi though right because he's got his new helmet Yes, but there's still pieces yeah. coming out of the out of hyperspace, right? So there, it's still during the Hetzal. Does that like they call the it remnants? That a delayed the thing, remnants, man. yeah. It's mm. uh, the uh, into the dark stuff where there are still ha- things happening. Yeah, for yeah. some time, but it's after Light of the Jedi. You're right. Mm. Still not as far into the timeline as Rising Storm, though. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, I mean, outside of that. I think plot-wise, that's kind of the most important parts. The only other stuff that we, I, again, I kind of glanced over because I didn't want to uh, make the synopsis too long, but the real meat of it is really just the interactions between Lula and Zine. Mm-hmm. Building up that relationship. And, yeah, and kind of learning about, you know, you don't have to be ashamed of, of your powers and this is how you kind of get them under control and it's, you know, we're all together learning this way. Uh, so, I mean, that was those were nice interactions, honestly. It makes sense now why when we see her, she's got a strong, such a strong bond with the Padawans. Mm-hmm. Also, kind of explains why when why she thinks that she can go back and talk with the cult because they never interact really. Once they find out she's a Force user, they just kind of immediately leave with her. So she hasn't really seen what the rest of the cult thinks of her at that point. A point to be made though, 
in Rising Storm, they keep talking about like how you know she saved our life because we would have all been crushed by this huge debris mm. thing. And I'm just like, really, only Lula was in danger at that point. All of you were pretty <laughs> spread out from what they from what they described. And you see the mm. thing, and she's right behind Lula holding this thing up, and then Lula helps. Yeah, and she's like, okay, but the rest of them. I don't really see the rest of them helping at all. They're just kind of sitting there like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my God, the force? It's like, yeah, you know, you have it, too. And everybody else is just kind of surprised. Mm -hmm. Whereas Lugo is like, I'll actually do something and help you because you're struggling. So, yeah. But the book made it seem like she was just like, I have it stopped. Like, trunks. He's just just death ball. And it's just like, no, she was busting her ass to do this. I'm just like, yes, she's strong. She can hold it. But at this point, I think they over exaggerated her power i do i do like yeah i do like how the comic portrayed this though because yeah when they when they talked about that originally i was like well that's a little bit that seems a little mary sue-ish like she's exactly like on vernestra level at this point without any training whatsoever it's like that's bullshit yeah because it it sounds like it sounds like something i would expect star killer to do yeah well, where it's yeah. just like this is this is a little bit much but yeah in the comic when they show it it goes okay no that's much more believable and i think the thing too is like there are so who where did the, i don't remember what media i heard this in or watched it in or read it in or whatever but it was star wars related and it was someone said like the connection to the force can be honed right so like some people might start off with a connection being a lot stronger and have a lot more innate talent than other people that maybe not have that super strong connection to the force and they have to hone mm-hmm. that to get to that point mm-hmm. so some people might have innate powers like you know anakin and you know i guess zine here where like she is she has that really strong connection but really doesn't have the knowledge to control that very well to a degree which is why like she wants to train and all that stuff right but she has that innate not talent but innate connection to the force so I, I, you know, that part of it, I can understand. Whereas like some people are good at something and like, there's no explanation for it. It's just the way it is, but they, that only gets them so far. Right. And well, then there's people that work real hard, like, uh, Lula Talisola, where like, she's wanting to be the best fucking Jedi she can be. And she's doing everything she can in her power to be there. And she's, you know, acing her exams and doing all these things and being the best at meditation, which I don't know how you do, but you do. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then like best at the lightsaber forms, right? Like she's really doing her best to do those things, right? She might not be 100% amazing at all of them right away, but she works her way there and gets to the point where when she is tested, she does her best and she, she nails it, right? Mm. See, so. before, before the huge meteor thing, something that really built up everything they were talking about was when Zim was talking about like the whole day before anything with the event happened, she's been feeling this like disturbing, staticky kind of feel in her gut, and it's just been like, oh, okay, no, something's off, something's off. Oh, look, mm-hmm. now there's still half the there's fire raining from the sky. And it was just like, you know, but if she had to tell them and warn them, you're like, how do you explain that? I don't know, because you have a bad feeling, you think something like this is gonna happen. And then, oh, it happens. And then you realize it's like, oh, how did you? Oh, well, force. But that's a feeling in and of itself. Like, Lula gets it a little bit before the event happens. Like, mm. she starts being like, oh, something's off, something's off. But the whole day, Zim's feeling like this. It's like, okay, so there's definitely some, like, deep reserve power. And then she describes how she feels it. It's like, you know, this is like the ocean around this whole island is what my power feels like. So, again, they're hyping her. And I don't think they really, sh- I, I wanted them actually to go almost that Mary Sue way at this point, being just like, 
here you have this dangerous person in the galaxy, according to their eyes, where they are keeping, they're bringing her along, but it's more to keep an eye on her. Because, like, if anybody else gets their hands on her and, like, lets her really go off, we're going to have a problem. And if she gets trained, even more of a problem. Mm-hmm. To the point where what Anakin did actually become. Yeah, it's uh, as much yeah. as he helped, right? Where it's just like, you know, like this level of power is terrifying to them because, like, if she was trained as a youngling, like, she would be at the Vernestra level. Like, Vernestra wouldn't be Vernestra at this point. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be that special because there'd be two yeah. or something like, of them, right? So it's, I don't know. We'll see as this series goes along what happens to her. And if the apprentice comes along instead, I mean, like, you know, something happens with Buddy Boy that's been left on his, that's been left on his rock. Yeah. If anything happens with that to really make her snap, because as when she found him after he shot her out of the sky, she was like, not choking, but she had a force grip on him, like stasis, and he could not move. And she was big mad. Yeah. Right. And it took Lula to come out and be like, okay, okay, calm down. No, it's fine. That's not the Jedi way. Don't. Yeah. Don't. But she was like ready to crush him right there. And it's just like, you've just got like a palm up and you're not really focusing. Mm -hmm. I'd hate to see if you really got angry. And I think that's what Yoda and the other masters are looking at and like pissing themselves about because like, again, they're looking at us like, man, if she got mad at one of our Padawans, she could just snap their neck Mm -hmm. and not think two ways about it like that to me is the terrifying power that she could have i'd like to see a bit more of that but again it's it's a kids to slash young readers book like there's not that much you can't do that much of that i'm curious if they'll go into that though because if that ends up being the reasoning why they're kind of teaching her to just be like hey she at least needs to understand the light side i think Mm -hmm. that's what it is like the dark side is a danger yeah if she becomes a dark side user it's right dangerous to them right yeah and if she doesn't like know, give so. her the, give her that complex of like you know what you're doing is wrong and we've showed you the way you should be we just yeah, can't yeah, yeah. show you everything then that gives you a bit of pause before you make those decisions right because you've been influenced by the light yeah but I if she didn't have that whatsoever thought. and you know something happens to the reverse where like so like cricks had but he didn't really have anything in that situation grand guy was just trying to save him mm-hmm. at the start and then it just snowballed worse and worse from there if that was her and it was just like the sith came through and it's just like oh well you have power i'm gonna use and abuse you and they're just like well i don't know anything else and you're finally letting me use this thing i've been modeled up all along so it's like yeah you know without telling you how destructive it is and then you get that moment like uh, elzar man had yeah where it's just like oh god this feels good like that's that's the scary part right you, you either get that or you get going back to school tour again that's that's basically the jason story at that point right oh yeah <laughs> that, that's that's a whole that's other question though. yeah that was too I've got, easy yeah it's, it's, it seriously is i mean, we, we should have a school tour discussion one of these days but yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a whole other thing, thing. on, on uh, just the companions themselves i'd love to do that Oh yeah, hundred percent. We could do like a um, a focus on like a class every day, like or not every day, but like every episode. It'd be like, okay, today I, we're I gonna just, focus on the Inquisitor mm-hmm. class and like talk about the companions and like the storyline and stuff. That'd be fun. Yeah, who knows? But uh, yeah, going back to the comic, one other thing that was kind of interesting to me, just kind of with all the other stuff that's been going on as well, is we're starting to get a lot of Nihil that come up that they have interesting positions and they're never really addressed again, mm. which I'm I'm hoping you know we'll get to see more of. And it's just mostly because I guess in Rising Storm you want to concentrate on the main Nihil but between 
and I'm, I still can't remember her name, but the Nihil and Into the Dark, and now Crix. No, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, we've got, like, interesting webs where it's like, I'm much more interested in, in the Nihil from Into the Dark than I am with, with what's going to happen with Crix. But still, it's like you've got interest, these interesting assets that I want to kind of see more of and see how the Nihil expand. Because as interesting as they've been so far, they're really just kind of one or two note, the Nihil. Or it's like it's Martian. It's all about planning and you know backstabbing and intricate politics. And mm-hmm. with Lorna D, it's all just like you know chaos and and power and kind of going after that. And with Panada, it's just you know fucking burn everything to the ground. So just being able to see kind of more flavors of Nihil and how they work and how their leadership works is something I, I'd I'd like to be able to get into in mm-hmm. the future. The one thing that I listen on that panel that I listened to again is remember how we we said like. I think I said on the podcast before when we first got to Nine Hills, like it's a pyramid scheme. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I can't remember which author it was, but they said, "Yeah, like the Nine Hills structured like a pyramid." And I'm like, "It's a pyramid <laughs> scheme." It totally. And then I mean, he's talking is, about basically. like the the strikes, which it took me a while to figure out like what type of theme they are with like storms and stuff like that. And they're like lightning mm. strikes essentially, yeah, right? Yeah. So you have the strikes that get money, and then they pay up to the clouds, and the clouds yeah. take a portion of that and give it to the. Uh, storms and the storms give that to the tempest right like and there's yeah, like that huge they, they, like they all, array they all kind of they all kind of create each other right because the strikes are made by clouds that are made by yeah you know clouds congregating storms and the storm is the prelude to the tempest kind of i would love to see somebody track every single nihil that's ever introduced in like a huh. in like a diagram oh, that and just be insane it, it would be but there's probably somebody <laughs> out that's doing it because it's it's just yeah. a massive fucking pyramid it's huge i it's mean it's massive it, it makes sense though, right? Like that's yeah. just any any kind of raider group or banditry or anything. Like like you look at I don't know why this is the first example I, I think of, but like a Morton Joe and Fury Road, right? Where it's like he's at the top, he gets all the good stuff, and then it leaks down to the war boys and mm-hmm. and any kind of thing like that. Like it's usually a pyramid scheme because there is one person at the top. Right. And so the authors I think it was Charles Saul was talking about this, he said like you can have the the bad guys be like this amorphous thing, but that's not as interesting as having like a structure and like a culture and like a society based mm. in this crime syndicate, right? And the, this in the Nihil. So that's why they they went with this kind of hierarchical structure that you can have, you know, the different things, and you know where people lay in that in that structure, mm. um, and the different relationships between those roles. Another point I wanted to make quick is we get to see some really cool ship designs. We get that like spider crawler thing that the Nihil mm. used that Mercian's on at the beginning. And then we get to see the the gaze electric a little bit in like a top of the uh, page right behind the panels a little bit, which is really mm. cool. I love his ship design. The Nihil stuff is like like ex- exactly what you'd expect from the Nihil, like dark, very like ramshackled together machines that are like got like red lighting and stuff like that. Like it's very, mm. very Nihil. See, I don't know why I thought the gaze electric would have like a bluish kind of look to it. Mm. I don't know if I was just thinking Maybe lightning. Because it was but like lightning and the storm and all that, like red is not what I would picture for them. Like the masks are one thing, mm-hmm. but like I guess because like blue and association with the Republic and everything like that, they couldn't do that. Yeah. But I, I expected the Gaze Electric to be some kind of sleek looking ship. I mean, it would have some attachments, some additions because of Nihil. But for the most part, I thought that those would just be kind of not complimentary, but kind of. Just very like on the off the cuff, just kind of like yeah. See, I put a thing on my ship, so now I'm like you guys, but really it's a sleek ship, and I don't want it to look like yeah. trash like yours. Mm. That's what I picture the gaze electric to be like. But on the other hand, I can see it being like this superstructure of just smashed together things. Yeah, like mm. I can appreciate that as well. It's just I was not ready for the red. I'm picturing on that. So yeah, exactly. Okay. 
everything I've read before and what I pictured like Loden to be in and everything like that and how he's escaping that's just been turned on his head. Mm. I um, pictured like it, Martian's mask, the, the blue eye that's on it, mm. Eye of the Storm, to be red. I didn't think it was going to be blue. Mm. I was confused by that, but... Yeah, and the, but then it seems to switch colors as well. Or I guess the old one was the red one, because then when he gives it to Crix, he's got the red swirl on his... Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. I, yeah, and it's interesting. We all had different visualizations of what the gaze electric looked like. I don't know why this was for me either. I kind of assumed it looked like a flying saucer. Like interesting, it, okay. Like, it, like, it like, like, a, like an eye, a big eye. Yeah, and, and kind of had that same rotating thing that Hondo's uh, pirate mm. ships had. I hated that design. Reason, that's just... I, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's just like a nod to like aliens in our world. I'm like, eh, I get well, it, but it's like, eh. Well, I love the tiny little detail in the fact that the reason that they spin is because they're so shitty that they have to generate their own artificial yeah, gravity. They don't have an artificial gravity generator in the machine itself, in the ship. Yeah. Like, I, th I thought that was just like a neat way to, to justify that visualization. But yeah, that's what I kind of imagined it as. It Looking at the case electric, it reminds me of like the front hull of some of the... Oh god, I can't remember what they're called because I'm not a Star Trek fan. But like the fronts of like the, uh, some of the Star Trek ships later on, like I've seen the looks from like Voyager and stuff like that. Mm. They kind of got that kind of smooth arrowhead shape. Yeah. So it really kind of reminded me of if you just took that part of a star of one of the um, Galactic Federation, I think they're called ships. Yeah. Right? It look it kind of looks like the uh, the separatist kind of style of like battleship, right? Where it's more elongated and like round on the front of it, or even yeah, like yeah. It, it's kind of like Mon Cala design where they have that like oval shape. Yeah, it's very smooth. Yeah, it's and, that and got that ovaloid. weird yeah, yeah. ovaloid thing. Remember, they steal parts from everybody. Exactly. So you, you should, mm. if you're seeing influence from some, you're probably not wrong on some level. I, I will I will take its design over the spider cruiser that we get in this comic, which yeah, yeah. I, th this was just me, but this kind of it, in the walls, just like every time it showed up, because the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it's the villain from Wild Wild West. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> love that. I, I love that thing. That yeah. Ancient movie. That was so bad. It's the steampunk so, cowboy stuff. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so Will Smith. So, yeah, every time it showed up, I just thought about that and I'd start laughing. So I couldn't really take the spider cruiser seriously. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, outside of that, we also get something that comes up in Rising Storm is we get to see Martian unmasked at the very end of this comic. Right? Yeah, it's true. And we we'd kind of heard because we've read Rising Storm already. We already knew he was a gray skinned alien. But it's it's interesting. He he very much it's very reminiscent of the Chiss for me, mm -hmm. probably because of those completely jet black eyes. But he's got a pretty interesting design. He uh, looks a little bit more manly. Then I thought he he was. It's the voice from he gets. Of the Jedi. Yeah, in, yeah, in the books. Yeah. yeah. I honestly, like when I saw him, I'm like, oh man, that's like um, a Dark Elf from like D and D, like very oh, similar yeah. vibes, oh, very yeah. similar vibes, like under dark kind of stuff. But the skin's not purple. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, yeah. I think they avoid everything just to not have them be black. <laughs> no, it just it just <laughs> yeah, gave exactly. me that. It gave me that because he kind of has like pointy-ish ears in the in the picture. I'm just looking at it again. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought that was I thought it was interesting. But, you know, it, for Martian, I can still, I can picture him and I can still read him with that voice because of that, like, stunted development where he's got mm. this sociopathic kind of thing going on. So you can imagine this big man-child looking at Panetta being like, this is the last time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I can, I can see that. And this image just makes that more, like, you really go take it aback at that point when he starts talking. Because it's just like to them, it just looks like, huh, huh, yeah, I could take this guy. Oh God, what? Uh, mm. 
why am I terrified of you? <laughs> like you, you, you are, and you're questioning it, but mm. it's like, no, I feel uncomfortable now. Okay. And like, you can see him, how he would lower somebody's uh, guard, like, okay, you know, loading, you got me, take me in, you know, so they can't get me in. Like, I can, I can yeah. see that too, when he lunges at him with the whole, yeah, it, the it, whole it, wrist blade. So it, it definitely it, makes, sorry, yeah, I'm yeah. cutting you off there. No, it, it makes it makes sense for the voice. And again, mm. if if the fact that they're saying Marcion in there and he's saying and Soul saying Marcion, and it's just like so they really didn't come together. That's disappointing. <laughs> I won't lie. That's really disappointing. It's just like, dude, this is your book. You'd think you'd want to hear everything and like have mm. that little proofread and make sure like before they even start recording, this would be some of the storyboard things and they they would collaborate with you on that. Like here, we want to get some pronunciations right. Because like, if I'm an author, and I'm I'm like reading a thing in my head, and I'm 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 putting out all the plot points and naming these characters, pronunciation could be huge for some things. Like, there's the Great Coat series where you start reading it, and there's I'll, I'll type a name out for you guys in Discord, and you tell me how you would pronounce that. Falcio, uh, Falcio. See, like Noma, I w- I was saying Falcio. To start with dan you're actually right we're like it looks italian to me that's why like kind of like he he says it himself in the book like he he reminds like another character it's like it's falcio mm-hmm. and like just oh, okay. looking at it like that it's just like unless you tell me mm-hmm. i'm gonna read it a different way so it's really important to get that right and i'm astounded that the fact that they didn't do that yeah so it, it yeah, just it's kind of look, surprising we've spent half a year now because since January, calling this guy Martian Rowe. Yeah. And yeah. for you to come on now and say Martian. No, you know what? At that point, you've lost it. It's too late. For I mean, he can, like, like I said, he can pronounce it any way he wants to. Like, his, yeah, his character, he can do what he wants. Like, yeah. It, but at that point, the, the community won't. Yeah, that's and fine, you, though. You, it doesn't really matter. But you've lost yeah. that. So this... it's, when does it become fine? It's just like, you can't you can't force this on us now because you've lost your opportunity. I mean, for this, this feels like, to me, like, the High Republic's version of lightsaber versus laser sword. Sure, yeah. It's it's like yeah. it's not that big of a deal, yeah. It's not the exact same background, but well, it's just like, you know, they're both technically right, yeah. but one of them is going to be the one that is more commonly said. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah I can see that. And, but uh, my point is like, if if Soul ever hears somebody asking questions or calling oh, him, yeah, he yeah. can't get mad. I don't think yeah. he will. I, he's not that kind of person from what I've seen. I hope not, because like, but you, you can't even you can't even say anything about it, but it's going to be tomato, tomato. Here we go. We'll bring him on the podcast. We'll ask him. Nope. <laughs> yeah, sure. Nobody calls it tomato, so <laughs> I hate that saying. And nobody heard, calls it potato, but it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's just like, dude, you're gonna have to. to for him, it seems like you're gonna have to give up. You, you have to be give up. You have to give up, and you're gonna have to call him Martian now because this is the pop culture. Mm-hmm. And 50 years from now, when people are talking about it, their video will still be around, maybe. But anybody who picks up that book just to pick up a book. And read it is not going to call him Markeon. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. dude. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, we also get some interesting. Uh, I'm just looking through some of the issues, like issue four right now, and they're that's when they like like they get in combat with the Nihil again, and there is vectors, but there's also like Jedi oh, Starfighter yeah. Alpha, like kind of looks prototype A wing. Oh, kind of they, they called them they called them the rescue thingies or whatever. No, no, these the are I think these are different. These is these look like. like Trying like little, triangular little pods, right? No, not pods. It was like it looked like you know, like the Jedi Starfighters from the prequel trilogy. 
Well, there's two different ships that show up because in the beginning they've got the weird like yeah. beam pod things that Ed's talking about. That's an issue one. Yeah. Where they've, yeah. they've got the little things that they're using to try and shoot the debris out of the sky, which yeah. I do, yeah, I don't remember what they called those. It's, and then it's the one on the far right, top right, and like the one in the middle there. Oh, okay. I okay, yeah. Mean. So so for the people who can't see, which is everybody else, yeah, they do they are basically triangle ships with it looks a like an alpha version of like a Jedi Starfighter almost. But then there's another shot later in the comic where there's another ship shown from a, a front side and they look almost like A-Wings. Oh, yeah. Prototype A-Wings. Is, so. Do you think it's this ship here that is the back end of that ship? It, it, it might be. Like you see it, like I said, you see it later on from the front. And yeah. as soon as I saw it, like maybe it's supposed to be the same ship, but they've got a front prow. Yeah. Or sorry, a front prow. They've got a flat prow at the front. Yeah. So they kind of look like A-Wings to me. So, okay. I mean, they're introducing some more ships, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm glad that they're not just using vectors and that's it because that's yeah as soon as you find what the diff like what you can do to the vector then you're, you're basically screwed well the yeah. other thing I, the other thing i was wondering with that when i saw those is are those the the republic ships that's what i was thinking because but it's all it could be maybe but it seemed like starlight was there are republic people on there but i don't know you, you might be right onto something with that yeah, I, I think you just forget the starlight beacon isn't all jedi <laughs> yeah but it's it's like there's a big station of jedi there right it's, yeah, yeah it's what we get it's, it's the believe, largest right? temple in the outer rim i think because right? it's the light of the jedi all that stuff <laughs> um i also looked up the latin uh word which is nihil and anybody want to know or guess what it means in english roughly Storm. Okay. i was going to say something about um because it sounds like it comes from nihilism so it's just like nothing or the void or... you're right it's nothing it means oh, okay. nothing yeah i was gonna say like yeah i wanted to know what the like the the meaning of the word nihil was but it's, yeah it's mm. nothing you're right okay yeah yeah it's because i like nihilism exactly that doesn't say anything there <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I mean i liked i dark i liked uh, nihilus a lot more than scion Scion Nihilus was interesting because he's like Eldritch Abomination. Scion is just I listen to I listen to emo music really loud in my room. <laughs> oh, it feels pain. Yeah. Constant pain. I love you, XL, but I can never be with you. <laughs> oh boy. All right. <laughs> oh, I want to chase you forever. Yeah, you're at again. The uh, wrong, wrong trilogy. You, <laughs> wrong keep time hurt, you keep hurting me, and like it, it hurts. Don't really come after you anyway. Craig, you don't understand the darkness in my soul. <laughs> Just like, uh, damn it, Dan, you need to play Cold War Two so we can all laugh at this. <laughs> give me, give me your hand, Chris. You can feel my pain. Uh, yeah, I think at this point we're kind of you know, getting it to the end of this discussion. Were there any other final points that you guys had about the book, comic, whatever we're reading? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's not bad. It wasn't terrible. Okay. It was actually uh, a little bit more meaty than I thought it would be in terms of Nihil, in terms of nothing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like there was some cool, like we got some really cool designs. The art was really well done for the most part. Very expressive faces. Mm. Um, some new characters that we got introduced to. Apart from like Lula and Zine and everybody, we get the other Padawans and the other Masters and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. But yeah. Yeah. I think this is starting to do something to me as well where, and I, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think this is just the only downside of releasing all this media so quickly. I'm starting to get like character overload where there's a lot of characters showing up 100%. in this book. Like, like, like I mentioned in the beginning, I don't remember who Lula's friends are because I just, they're not in the comic enough and mm -hmm. I just don't really... There's nothing for me to really remember them by. It's the same kind of feeling I got where, you know, because we're Star Wars podcast, switching back to anime, if anybody's read 
Bleach, the Quincy arc at the very <laughs> end, I just I, I couldn't, there. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. keep track of any of the characters in that. I think one I, of them was Valkyrie. Was that guy who'd like go real big? He looked I, like I, a, a Norse guy. He was the one where if you keep cheering for him, he yeah, just he gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like, that was yeah. a stupid like, power. I, I remember, I remember him, and I remember the guy that Rukia fights, where he's like, "Cause his, his my power is fear," and I was like, "That's so fucking stupid." <laughs> so Metal like, Gear. Yeah, basically. Yeah, except he doesn't even have bees. <laughs> I was going to Metal Gear Solid 3, but yeah, it's just like that where it's just you're hitting me with all these characters so much and even characters that whose names I want to remember, like the Nihil and Into the Dark, I just can't because there's so many people coming at me. And again, I'm not saying this is necessarily a bad thing because I like that we're getting so many characters and we're getting to explore so many avenues. Yeah. But it's just like my brain's slipping overloaded with this and yeah. there's going to be some fallout like the fact that I just didn't know Lula's master's name at all. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like you pick the characters that you really enjoy and you follow them like you don't have yeah, to follow you, lula you or like yeah. her master and be like i don't really like if you're not really into this kind of story mm. you don't have to you don't have to read it very much like you i mean we have to read it but i we don't have to like <laughs> know it off by heart yeah, like a beckon's call like no yeah. one's gonna be like hey i'm gonna quiz you for your star wars license it's gonna get revoked if you can't tell me lula's master's name noma i mean you say that but <laughs> but yeah no, i think i think the internet I agree with you where it's like, yeah, we're definitely getting a little overload with the amount of characters, both Nihil, Jedi, and Republic. Like, yeah, I mean, last person I wanted to remember was the guy on Valo, who was the security officer of the Moidian. I'm like, I don't really need to know you. No. <laughs> I don't, you don't need a name. I am, I am slowly forgetting his name. Yeah, which is, I, can't, I can't remember his first name anymore, but I remember Snat. But... Yeah. Snat's the only Hydric, one we get. Or Hy something like that. There's like Hy Hy something or other. Uh, yeah, um, I have no idea, yeah. I'm yeah. on the opposite side of things where more. <laughs> no, I love the fact that everybody's getting their own series. Yeah. Because yeah, after a while when it comes to the books and stuff like that, the books feel like those Marvel movies where everybody comes together, like Rising Storm and those mm. those big those big novelizations. It's like the MCU. So when they see <laughs> Yeah, because when we get the next one, you know, and it, if it goes back to Reef Silas and those guys, but like we haven't heard from them since, so I'd like to hear more from them. But mm -hmm. like in that sense, if somebody from one like Bell or somebody makes a crossover in that, we've had their foundational books, so we know about them. So when they just jump in places, we have that ready for them. Yeah. But when we had Rising Storm and like Lula and all these other guys showing up, we're sitting there like, okay, what? They've yeah. had their stuff in the in the High Republic Adventures. We just hadn't read that yet. So if you like reading that and then moving to that, we would have been like, all right, so you're here now. And, you know, everything's not so blown out of proportion because I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Mm -hmm. So like them having we've, – we've had a weird bounce around with everything, which I think has contributed to the character overload that that's being felt. Mm -hmm. But – with all these things in perspective now, if you block them off and it's just like, okay, you, when you think Star Wars High Republic Adventures, you, you have these characters in mind. When I think, you know, the High Republic comic book, I know Keeve is in there. I know Skier's there now. I know the twins are there now. That's where Avar is mostly. You tell me their names. Tarek twins. and Sarah. Yeah, yeah, Sarah, yeah. Oh, the twins. It's like yeah, just yeah. reversed, yeah. Yeah, and then but, when you go thinking about Stellan and Elzar, you know they're together. You yeah. you have a couple other people in there. You you think about them, and finally you have the Reed Silas group, right? And then the Nihil. So like you yeah. you break it into those five, and it's just like all right, you know, 
we have rebel cells <laughs> that there were a bunch of them. Mm. We eventually remembered a lot of them, not everybody. And it's, I don't think they expect us to remember everybody. And I think those are the characters that if they need to, they can always just pull, pull the plug on and be like, all right, well, you know, mm. the they're, they're kind of gone. Yeah. yeah. What I'm, what I'm going to be curious about is just kind of following them forward in the future. Cause what it really reminds me of is when I was really, well, I was for a long time, but one of the times when I was really into comic books was around uh, Civil War, comic book Civil War, and then Secret Invasion and Dark Reign and all this kind of stuff. And what they would always do was they would have like, basically they'd be like, oh, Civil War, here is, you know, somebody's issues of Civil War. Yeah, basically. And then it's like, but then you've got Civil War Iron Man and Civil War Young Avengers and yeah. Civil War Runaways and Civil War, you know, Heroes for Hire and but, 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 but like literally it's, just everything. Tell me what they're doing with the War of the Bunny Hunters right now. Well, it's the Horus Heresy, right? Like you, yeah, get, you get the example and you get, you can get one battle played, talked about four times from four different mm. perspectives, but it gives you that much more yeah, of an appreciation yeah. for what was going on. And and it's interesting in the in definitely that facet where it's like you get to see, you know, this event from your favorite character's point of view. Mm. But it was also the downside of that was it was just overwhelming sometimes where it's like if you want to get the full Civil War experience, I need to read like 48 books yeah. or comics basically. Mm -hmm. So it's I'm going to be interested to see how they kind of branch that, that main story off with yeah. these experience they and, kind and, of already are which yeah. is how they're starting it and i think getting getting into it on the ground running like this is good so we'll see i don't know but that's, that's yeah it. exactly and it's it's something where i'm just i'm curious to see if they will take any any knowledge from knowledge experiences i guess from marvel's own experiences with that kind of stuff and be able to make it a little bit a little bit more digestible Granted, in this era, because the biggest problem that I had with that time period was it was like, cool, if I want to see any of these other experiences from this event, I need to hunt down the comic books for it. Nowadays, now that it's all digital media, uh, it'd be a lot easier to kind of get that full timeline. But yeah, overall, I'm, I'm just curious to see how that works. But uh, yeah, I think that just about wraps up our discussion. So from here, let's head into the rankings. Here we are at the rankings for Star Wars Adventures, Volume 1. Now, kind of hilariously, I mean, I did this last episode, so I might as well do this episode again. Once again, we all gave it the exact same score this week, <laughs> or this episode. But uh, yeah, with that being said, Dan, why don't you walk us through your rating for High Republic Adventures Volume 1? Yeah, my rating, which is the same as your rating, and the same as Ed's rating, <laughs> is 6. I felt like it gave us some information that we were wanting but it wasn't anything like oh wow like i mean if we if we would have read this before rising storm i feel like we'd be like oh okay like what's martian road doing like what's this mm. artifact he's looking for because this is like the first you'd you'd hear of it right and yeah. then you read rising storms and you realize okay it's this but i mean like that was basically the biggest thing and then like yoda going off and doing his thing that's a big thing too it's just there's a lot of threads that are just kind of being pulled in those directions. And mm -hmm. this is just doing that. Like it's showing those threads essentially. Um, mm -hmm. Nothing crazy like rising storm or anything like that, but I mean, I'd say it's pretty good. So I, I'd say six, you know, it's, it's all right. I I'd definitely give it a higher ranking if I was younger, like, you know, what the audience is for this book. Oh yeah. But yeah, I'd say six. That's why. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like you'd be able to to connect a little bit more with the characters. Yeah. If you were younger. Exactly. Ed, how about you? 
Yeah, uh, six for me was just because again, young readers novel comic. It was just okay. You can you you need to read it to get some story, especially on my end where I was I'm being very critical of Yoda during mm. this this time period and to see what exactly he's up to and why the adventure stories are leading into that. So it's just like again, there are answers to the questions I have. It mm. just means I have to read this series. Uh, do I like it? It's not bad so far. It gave a nice little bonus to what we read in uh, Rising Storm. So hopefully, if we see like the main books, will always have these guys come back together in some form, whether it be through you know their own expose, like oh you know they were dealing with this and this was happening while this is happening. So if it continues to be that way, so be it. That just means you got to bounce between books to figure out what's going on. But yeah, it's that's it for me. Like it's not great, it's not terrible, it's just something that's necessary. So six. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, like we said, I gave it the exact same six. And for a lot of the same reasons you guys were talking about, where it's like, yeah, this is interesting. It's a fun enough read, but there's certain other things in there as well. Like I don't know about you, Ed, but I like as you mentioned with Yoda, I like eighty five percent by his reasoning now. Yeah, where it's like. Yes, this is important, and I get that you need... This is, like, your main concern. I think the galaxy starting to catch fire is a little bit more important, but, you know, for now, I, I can accept that that's the reason why he's not doing anything. But, you know, hopefully as we go along, that'll pick up and, you know, he'll he'll start getting into the limelight again. And, uh, yeah, kind of the same thing with the other stuff. Like, Zeem's an interesting character, but I don't know how I feel about the fact that they're so okay with bringing this, basically, Anakin on board. Again, we'll see as it progresses, but yeah, overall, it isn't a book that's making me, you know, disinterested in reading volume two. I am still curious to see how this progresses and what will happen and, you know, where we'll go from here. It's just, I think the only other reason that I'm, I'm, my score was a six is because, and we've talked about this before, there's becoming, there's becoming, is that English? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's such an influx of characters that it's becoming this kind of character overload. And it's just so hard for me to keep up with all of these people. Like we said, and we've meant, I, I know I've mentioned this a couple of times in our other reviews. I just don't remember half the characters that are introduced when a book's over or a comic's over. Like in this one, it's like Lula, Zim, Buckets of Blood, just because of the name. Cricks, maybe. Martian Rowe. And Cricks, yeah. Like the well, characters I mean, we Mar- know. Martian, Martian's yeah. not introduced in this, so yeah. Master Psy. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even remember him, though. <laughs> so it's just like, like all these characters just get washed past, because every book we're hit with at least a dozen, it seems, right? So least, it'll be, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it'll kind of, how how the universe will kind of prop itself to make these characters understandable. Or maybe we're just doing this the technically wrong way. Maybe we're not supposed to be ingesting all of this media at the same time. But, you know, if that's the case... I don't think that's true because otherwise why would they be putting out all this media this quickly? Yeah. Who knows? All right. I think that basically wraps up all of our thoughts and our rankings. So let's hit into the outro. Welcome to 
welcome to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you stuck around this long, thank you very much for listening. And next week, we are going to be diving back into books, and we are going to be hitting the, I think, second last new release that we're getting for quite a while, and that is High Republic Out of the Shadows. I think this is so, the end of Wave 2? Uh, well, we still have Edge of Battle. Right? Wave 1, no? Um, I guess Edge of Balance would be considered in that because it was supposed to release earlier mm-hmm. and then it was delayed. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. Once we hit Edge of Balance, I think we'll be all all covered there, and I'm sure once we hit Edge of Balance, Dan is gonna go insane. There was previews <laughs> in that panel, and it looked good. Yeah, he's only a tiny, tiny, gigantic bit invested into it, and uh, yeah. So once we tackle Out of Shadows, which I'm also interested in because it seems like this is a book where we're gonna get to see Imri and Vernestra in a not that it's really hampered them before, but in a format that isn't more focused on kids. Like, this is an adult's book. So hopefully that means stakes will be a little bit higher. We'll get a little bit more tension and action. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. So if you guys have any thoughts on this episode or you have anything that you're excited about when we cover Out of the Shadows, we'd love to hear from you. And Dan's going to fill you in on all the different ways you can contact us. Yeah, you can find us over at voiceoftheforce.com. You can also email us over at voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at voiceforcepod. And you can retweet and repost our episode tweets and posts. So it helps with growing our listener base and getting it to a larger community, which would be great. You can listen, rate, review, subscribe, and follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. Uh, reviewing us with five stars and a comment does help with people finding the podcast on that podcast platform so please do it it is very much appreciated and uh yeah once you do follow or subscribe you will get the latest episode downloaded to your device as soon as it releases thank you dan and once again from all of us here at voice of the force and tumble archives thank you for listening and may the force be with you